Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Answers in Real Life. We're in Hobart. G'day Hawk, how are you? GJ, lovely to see you again mate. Thanks Thank, for coming down. Thanks for hosting me. Mate, it's been fantastic. You have a hostess with the mostest. Oh, getting to the biggest capital city in Australia, in Hobart, yeah, but what a great day it's uh, been. It has, yeah. I, I jumped in the car, You picked me, where'd you pick me up from? The hotel? Outside your hotel. And I jumped in and I'm like, where's the CBD? I was like, <laughs> mate, let's do a blocky. Three seconds later, we were back at the hotel, but uh, it's a beautiful city. But mind you though, mate, when I said to Glenn, we, we planned this event... Uh, some months ago and Glenn said to me okay Hawk no dramas we'll get down we'll have a great time we'll bring people around he rings me the other day he says I've got a problem like I fly Qantas I've got uh, Qantas regular fly points I'm trying to get I'm on the Qantas flight right I'm on the Qantas website right now um, how do you get to Hobart there's no direct flights to Hobart I said mate there is there's, there's direct flights everywhere he goes I'm searching Sydney S-Y-D to Hobart T-A-S I was like mate he's like they don't fly to Tasmania I said it's Hobart H-O-B he goes I'll call you back. Uh, so welcome to Hobart, mate. It's great to have you down. Thank you. And I'll have you know Virgin didn't fly to Tasmania either. <laughs> Nor will Jetstar because they're on strike right now. <laughs> That's right. Semantics. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's been a great day. I got to experience the lovely city called Hobart. Um, you know, I'm just a country guy in the big smoke today. And <laughs> we finally got those RMs in the dirt, mate. Taking <laughs> up to the top of Mount Wellington, Kunyani oh, yes. and uh, Kunani, Kunyani, whatever Mount Wellington's called. It was a great spot, though, wasn't it? Got up there, he got outside. It's cold. Let's go back down. I need a coffee. We uh, did that. Yeah. I went to Officeworks to get some supplies for tonight, and I jumped. I, I was. I had a coffee, and then I. Um, I look, oh yeah, office work. I'm not bloody walking down there. And so I jumped in a cab. I'm like, oh, I need to go to office work. He's like, oh, no worries. And I said, oh, the one down on Campbell Street, please. He's like, mate, there's only one in the city. <laughs> <laughs> one in the state. <laughs> <laughs> But we had a cracking dinner last night down in Rockwall with Gary Baker, uh, a great steak, great bit of salmon, some uh, some scallops, I had a red wine, you had uh, some fizzy water. It was a cracking night though, wasn't it? Oh, lovely. I was at home by uh, 9 o'clock. I was in bed by 9.05. <laughs> Love it. So thanks for coming out, everybody. We're going to have a fun night. So let's get into your questions. Flynn, I need you up here, man. Need you up here. So how much money should I be putting away each month for long-term wealth? Sweet. So that's, a, that's a, actually an, a really interesting question. Um, it's, let me ask you a question, if I may. I've worked out, I've actually worked out, Hawk, the number in terms of dollars of the exact amount you need to retire comfortably on in Australia. So if we know that number, we can work backwards to get to that target number, right? Can you tell me what that figure is? I can. Thanks. So do you want to have a guess, Flynn? As much as possible. Love it. Yes. As much as possible. <laughs> as much You've as possible. You've heard this podcast yeah, before, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. So likewise, in the same vein, how much per month? Well, as much as possible. And it, we talked, uh, for those listening, before we recorded this about building our budget and there's got to be trade-offs. I mean, 
you might have five subscriptions, one to Netflix, one to Stan, one to uh, Foxtel, one to Spotify, one to Apple Music. This is just me. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Awkward. Um, but you've, there's got to come a time where if you want to put your future self first, there's got to be some trade-offs and sacrifices. So all I would do would be to encourage you to really do an audit of your spending. And this time of year is great because we're going through Christmas, we're going into the new year. It's a good time to press reset. And, and I think the, 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 the terminology around uh, short-term pain, long-term gain, right, you've got to take some short-term pain. So maybe you, you cancel your Netflix and you stick with Stan, as long as you're not a Disney fan, because otherwise you've got to have Disney now as well for those with kids. So really, you've got to have that short-term, uh, short-term pain to get the long-term gain of your long-term wealth. But you've also got to understand about what amount of disposable income you've got after your blow account, after you've, you, you've gone out on your Friday night. What have you got left over? to be able to have for that long-term wealth, that long-term growth, and what are you doing with it, and can you access it, and, and what's your time frame of investing, and what is long-term for you? Because I think you've got to understand what long-term actually means. Long-term for me might be five years, for you it might be 12 months. So what does long-term actually mean, and what are you trying to achieve for it? I'm a massive catchphrase fan. For those of you out there have heard me before, a goal without a plan is uh, just a wish. So what's your goal, what's your plan, what's your wish, and really start to drive around what are you trying to achieve. It's that, it's that million-dollar myth, right? Everyone needs a million bucks to retire. But unless you know what sort of lifestyle you want in retirement and understand what that retirement plan looks like for you, sure, as much as I can is the answer. But understanding what retirement looks like for you and not being caught up in the BS of, you know, keeping up with the Joneses about what retirement looks like for you and then working backwards on what you need to do in small incremental steps throughout your financial journey to achieve that financial freedom. That's a, <laughs> I like that was that. a bloody modern day sermon on the mount, Matt. Oh, I love stop it. it. <laughs> or just so, put money away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any other follow-up questions uh, to that? Nothing you can Nothing think of. But uh, hey, thanks for... Uh, yeah, do you want to... No, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's a good thing because there is no number because personal finance is so personal, uh, but it's certainly as much as possible. And I would say, like, you've got to make it just part of your automatic habits and behaviours. So investing, for those who save money, I can guarantee when you're sporadic and you put money there and you're saving money here and there and then a bill comes up, you put money out of your savings account, pay the bill or whatever, you've got a higher chance of saving money if you do it every week and there's a system in process and then you've removed that account so it's out of sight, out of mind. And then what you can do, you can ratchet the amounts up. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So, yeah, you've just got to do as much as possible. And then there's the other discussion. If we do have money left over, what's the most tax-effective way to invest that? And it could be a portion of it in superannuation as a salary sacrifice or a post-tax deductible contribution. So, to build wealth, basically, you need to save as much as you can and pay as little amount of tax legally as possible in Australia. And sometimes that includes having a bit of strategy. Absolutely, legally. Legally, that's the word there. Uh, so we might get Mark to come up. Um, oh, no, sorry, we've got Katie. Yeah. His wife. Whoa. So if we have 50K in the bank, should we use that to purchase a house in Hobart or should we use the equity on our property that we already have in Queensland to purchase? And I guess if we're looking at kids in the next two to three years um, and we're not sure where we want to live, should we still buy here or is that a bad financial move? 
That's quite a question. Sorry. That's like two <laughs> questions in one. Uh, we can cancel the kid thing and just talk about the equity and no, the no, money no, thing. No, I like it. It's very material to the discussion. I think whatever you, I think, like, I can't speak because I don't have kids, but all I can say is generally that part of your life is going to happen regardless, having kids. So yeah. we need to make sure our strategy can be kid-proof almost, or that if you do need to move, the strategy can still be in play in the background. Yeah. Um, by the... What you said move... Like, you don't... Are you talking going well, because back we to have, the mainland? Or? Yeah, because we have... <laughs> the mainland. Yeah, because we have, like, <laughs> friends and family... Yeah, well, Awkward. we don't say... Like, we only just moved down here, so we don't say that word yet because we're not, like... We call it Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, because we have, like, friends and family up there, if we we don't know where we would have sure. kids, so we might move back there, but the rental market's pretty crazy here, so we figure we'd still be able to rent it out if we did purchase down here. What would you say the percentage chance of... So, where are your parents living if they're still uh, In Queensland. Everyone yep. lives in Queensland. So. Uh, and Mark, where's your family? Queensland. Yeah, so I, I would say as a rule of thumb, I'm not buying a house to live in if I'm not going to be living in it for at least five years. Look, I'd agree with that. When you think about buying property, so a lot of my mates uh, are going through the time right now buying properties because they're having kids, they've got young kids, they're in units, they're in apartments, now they're saying, right, the, the kid's getting older. I think you've got to be really careful about um, whenever you're buying property, whether it's through a primary place of residence or an investment property, what are your five non-negotiables about that property? And they're very different whether you're buying for a primary place of residence, one you're going to live in, versus, in pre- uh, versus an investment property. So... You're buying a primary place of residence, you're going to live there, you're going to have kids there. What your non-negotiables are might be flat backyard, somewhere to kick the footy, somewhere to throw the frisbee, somewhere you can be on a level playing field, kitchen to backyard. Investment property is area, yield, income, low expense, whatever it might be. So I think before you invest that 50 grand or equity in Queensland, you've got to understand, well, what am I trying to derive from this property? If I buy a property, is it going to be good for kids? I've got two young kids, I've got a five and a three-year-old. Uh, and if I was in the wrong property now, I would be hating it, right? Because they go outside, they throw rocks in the water, they've got the backyard, they've got the trampoline. But if I was in a unit with no yard, they're inside, they're in my grill, they're watching TV, it's hard work, get me out of here. Um, so you've got to have those goals around everything. And, and so whether it's buying Hobart for long term, whether it's use your equity... You've got 50 grand, right? So straight away, you've done some awesome saving. Um, clearly, you must have done Glenn's spending coach a couple of years ago to get you to where you are today, which is awesome. But you've got the 50 grand just now. Pays for itself, <laughs> just pays for itself. <laughs> now you've got to know what the best thing to do with it is. So can I ask a question? Uh, you've got um, no consumer debt, clearly? Um, no. Okay, sweet. Just the mortgage. Yeah. So yep. you've got uh, a cash buffer other than the 50K? No, that's all we have. Okay, so I'd be carving out three months of expenses uh, of what it costs you to exist. So realistically, you might only have 30 grand or 35 grand of real money that you can put to use. Uh, But what I would do in your situation, I'd recommend actually have a clarity call with John because he does this stuff all day long and it'll be the best $330 you'll ever spend because what I'm thinking is if... If there is a higher chance, and the reason I ask where your family is, sometimes if I look at my friends' lives who have had kids, if I look at my sister who's had kids, where possible, if there's good relationships, they don't email me and tell me that I'm wrong and all that, because I probably am, but sometimes um, the family's first child, 
a woman might like to be near her mum if she's got a good relationship, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. So if there is a higher chance of you guys relocating, I wouldn't be buying here. I would be saying we need to invest in property as a strategy if that's your vibe and that might be somewhere else in Australia. But I'm sure John can speak to the data in, um, say, Hobart and maybe part of the strategy is to double um, hedge our bet. It's like, well, it's not a bad location for the long term anyway, so let's buy a home and then if we do need to move out and we ha we mortgage, we structure the mortgage with the correct structure, offset accounts or whatever that looks like, if we do need to move back to the ML. <laughs> Australia. Australia. Yeah. If, we do, if we need to move to Australia, um, <laughs> is that how you say it? I don't it's know. called the mainland. <laughs> mainland. Okay. So if you do need to relocate internationally. Um, internationally. You can, you know, overseas, sorry. If you need to move overseas. You, it's called the best right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can, uh, you, you might have a, a property here that you can actually now has as your investment property. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I think as a rule of thumb, if there's no intention to live in a place for more than four years, I'm not bothered to buy it as my home. Property right. is, a, is, a, is not a short-term investment. The barriers of entry, the barriers of exit, the cost, stamp duty, real estate costs, it's not something you dive into without a long-term long strategy. And that may be... And look, getting good tax advice when you're buying a property, for instance, in Hobart, and I'm sure the accounts out there would be happy to give you the advice, the way you structure your mortgage interest only, interest and principal, what is your short-term and long-term goal? Understanding how to structure a mortgage is just as important as actually getting the mortgage. The worst thing that could happen is in 10 years' time, you guys are back um, in Australia or in Queensland <laughs> yeah. or whatever. I don't even know what to say now. Um, and then you're like, we own a property that's a dog of investment. We can't sell it. Yeah. And you don't want to be a landlord interstate by default because you want to be active with your decisions. Yeah, right. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, no, whatever yeah, it's worth. Super helpful. Sweet. But yeah, reach out, go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and you can select the clarity call with John. And seriously, I'm about to as well for those here in the room. And thanks, thanks for that, Mark and Katie. What you can do is clarity call. I recorded one uh, a couple of weeks ago with a, a real podcast listener. Uh, and I'm going to put that up soon so people can listen of what happens on a clarity call. But I will be removing her name and income levels. So it's, it will be pretty anonymous, but also really deep of what you get out of a clarity call with John. But I think most importantly, Glenn, uh, is uh, Katie Mark. Welcome to Hobart. Uh, love, to, love to have you here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the unofficial mayor? Yeah, let's give him a hand. It's, it's funny, my mates do call me the Mayor of Hobart, um, so I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we might go Georgie now. Georgie, come up. Well, let's give her a hand as she walks Whoa. down. <laughs> Got a My Millennial tote bag and a My Millennial t-shirt tonight. She's Georgie. all merged up. <laughs> and remember, if you have got a smartphone, why am I saying smartphone? Phone, I don't know. <laughs> They're Take, all smart. Yeah. <laughs> Take a photo, tag us on at My Millennial Money on Insta. And what up? How are you? <laughs> Good. Well, I had a question. I've just finished a three-year uni degree. This is my first year working basically full-time, earning good money Sweet. for me. Um, and I'm in a bit of debt from those three years. I'm just wondering how do I get out of it? I find I'm getting money and now I'm getting more money. I'm kind of spending more money. <laughs> Yeah. That I shouldn't. 
financial habits, right? It comes back to financial habits. Um, I think everyone goes through university. Like we've all we've all been there. For the listeners out, they've gone through uni. Like we have a good time at university, don't we? Right? We live far beyond our means. Um, then we get out and we go, hey, Rip, I've st- I finally got out of that financial stress of having no cash. I'm earning good cash. Now I'm going to spend it because I've been such a, 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 you know, a, a, a tight ass for so long. And suddenly now there's money, but now you're in such financial constraint because of the debt you've accumulated during that awesome time of university. So I think the first thing you've got to do is, is really start to, to look at the debts. You've got to understand what you've got, what interest rates you're paying, uh, what's the highest rate. And start to work up. There's no point saving money without clearing your debts first. Having that, uh, those financial habits, clearing your debts, starting to plan for, you've got to get that, as Glenn said before, three months worth of saving in the bank account, three months worth of your expenses in the bank account before you can move forward. So looking at those debts, consolidating those debts if you can, looking at opportunities to, to move debt together if you can. Um, I disagree with that. Do you? Yeah. Well, different disagrees. I like it. Balance transfers on credit cards, yeah, 18 months interest free. Don't vibe it. Oh, <laughs> all good. <laughs> what would you go, mate? I would. This is what I would do in your situation, Georgie. Um, and this is it. Like personal advice, like personal finance is so personal. And what Matt said and what I've said, there's no right or wrong. There's just better and worse. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> your mind's better. Your <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we need to focus on the habits and behaviours first. So I want you to have a good spending plan. And I've given you a code to do my cash flow course. So I want you to first focus for your next three or four pay cycles of just setting up the spending plan and then putting your... How many debts have you got, for example? Is it just like a one credit card or two or three? Two with like... little. So it's like five grand. Okay, sweet. So realistically, your debt should be gone within six months because if you did $100 a week and didn't go into debt more, in 12 months that would be gone, okay? So... We need to, number one, I say if you're on a debt reduction campaign, you first need to decide that I'm not going to debt anymore. And if you're starting the debt reduction campaign next Monday, bloody take that credit out card out and go have a fun weekend because after the weekend, it's like the show's over, right? So we need to focus on the habits and behaviours. So I would put the credit card on minimum payments, even for the first couple of months, and just focus on getting, like we showed before, your banking structure set up and the spending plan and having that working, not worrying about the debt because there's no point putting money over to debt if we don't work out the habits and behaviours because we're only treating the symptom, not the problem. It's a little bit exacerbated because you've come into money and we need... It's not as if you've been earning good money for three years and you're just sloppy. It's just more you're in clean-up mode. So the priority for you is to focus on the good habits and behaviours then we'll clean up and get rid of the debt. I think it's important to understand why people go into debt and it comes back to, to the baseline, right? So you've probably had your luxuries and your premium luxuries in your baseline. Um, and that's yeah. just a lifestyle of university life. Like, it's awesome uh, and we have a great time. But, you know, you, you, you wear great clothes, you go on your overseas holidays, you go out for dinner, you eat takeaway. Uber Eats is the worst thing but the best thing that's ever happened to us in life. Uh, and they've become your baseline. So it's about um, taking your baseline back to basics, food, water, shelter, Understand that, then work up to your basic comforts, you know, what do you have to have, and then everything over and above needs to take a, a sidestep whilst you clear that debt. I will just, um, Matt, I did, you know, disagree with you, but I'll just put my position out there on the record. Uh, I think if you do have multiple credit cards and you do do a balance transfer, 
what you, the risk that you've got is you're treating the symptom and not the problem. The risk is that you've consolidated the debt into the one debt. It might be cheaper repayments, but you might have think you might have thought that you've done something, and you, you you've just moved the debt. So I would actually rather you focus on getting your habits and behaviour down pat, letting the debt happen, and just attack smallest to largest. Because if you went on a diet and you didn't lose weight within the first couple of weeks, are you sticking to the diet? The answer is no. So we've got to hack our habits and behaviours. And it's, it's really controversial because a lot of people might say, oh, Glenn, I've got three credit cards and there's 15% interest and 10% interest and 5% interest. I would absolutely want to pay the 15% first, right? Well, if you're that smart, Einstein, you wouldn't have debt paying 15% credit card. You know what I mean? So why don't you try my way for once? So, <laughs> so whatever you need to do, whether it's Matt's suggestion or whatever that is, right? Or a combination of both. Or a combination of both. Whatever it is, we both agree that there's a line in the sand that I'm not doing any debt ever again. And my, I guess, hope and prayer to you would be that you get rid of your credit card and you don't have consumer debt ever again yeah. because I don't know if the credit card's been the blessing that the ads say it was. Oh. No. So. Afterpay is the devil. Oh. Yeah. Do you have, do you have, Georgie? Do you have afterpay? Maybe. Maybe. Right. Oh, lay, so, by, lay by for millennials. Yeah. So, I've I got an email today. They want me to do an afterpay article of my view of afterpay. So how quickly did you say no? Oh, no, no. I said, oh, absolutely. Give me. So my biggest problem with uh, buy now pay later schemes is at the moment. They're under consumer credit law, okay? So, basically, it's the Wild West, four easy payments. That's all good, right? It's my prediction that if it's not regulated very soon, instead of four easy payments, it will be 26 easy payments. There are programs out there doing 10 easy payments. It's all easy, right? And the problem is these easy payments, after they come out and say, we're a budgeting tool. Oh, that's cute, isn't it? <laughs> so the problem is with Afterpay as the budgeting tool uh, is that I think it's the equivalent to the diet shake world of weight loss. You're trying to outsource your weight loss to a shake. You're not, wo- you're not worried about eating healthy and moving your ass. Are you saying a shakes aren't good for weight loss? I'm just saying you can use the shakes for weight loss, but a lot of people that have used them, they stop using this the shakes, the weight flings back on Correct. because they actually haven't learnt the habits and behaviours of walking and eating less, maybe. And like Afterpay, oh, I use it to manage my budget. I'm so sophisticated. But it's like, do my spending plan, you'll never need Afterpay. Yeah, habits. Habits, behaviours. So I think you just need to decide that you don't... You've just got to learn to manage money and you're in the best position ever. How old are you, may I ask? 26. 26. So you're in the best position ever because you've got this income, you're, you're set to go, we just need to set the habits and behaviours now. Because habits and behaviours change if we work on them. Things in our life that don't change, your personality, you know, we all know the asshole that was an asshole 10 years ago, that doesn't change. Mm. Um, your human temperament doesn't change, you know, we all know that you might be a thinker, feeler, doer, so that doesn't change. There are things in our life that do not change. Correct. So, but habits and behaviours don't change unless we identify them and work on them. Yep. So, I don't know if that's helped, but... No, that's good. I just have another quick question on that. So, 
deal with the habits and behaviours and make minimum repayments on both the cards. And then once you've got the habits and behaviours, how much would you then – would you start putting more, paying off more? Yeah, so if you do my spending plan, uh, what I would say – it will tell you how much is – so my spending plan is good because it it tells you how much it costs you to exist and put away for holidays or clothes or gifts or whatever and then what's left – so what I'll do with that amount that's in the what's left box, I would focus on trying to save $2,000 cash as your first goal, okay? Then once you've got the $2,000 saved, we keep your uh, credit card payments on minimum payments and it won't take you long. Uh, and I'll personally say, if you want to fill out the spreadsheet, email it to me. You've got the email address and I'll have a look at it for you. And then let's focus on habits and behaviours, credit cards on minimum payments our reason for living financially is to save $2,000. That's your reason for existing financially, okay? We're cutting the credit card up. We're not using Afterpay anymore. Then, once we're at $2,000, then the what's left, that amount goes onto the credit card. So we're okay. doing a systemated one thing at a time. If someone tells you, oh, you're an idiot, just focus on the credit card, tell them that's cute, but I'm doing it my way. Because you win the habits and behaviours, you'll win everything at life. You nail the dead. Yeah. So. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you, Georgie. Love it. Let's give her a hand, everyone. Has everyone got five more minutes? Yeah? Sweet. It's still light outside. This is crazy business in in Hobart. Where's my other things? Let's let's get... um, Tran. Tran. Let's get Tran. Tran. We've been waiting all night for it. Let's get Tran. Give her a hand, everyone. So, Tran. Hello. Thanks. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming out tonight. For a, little bit starstru- a little bit starstruck. A little bit. I'm a little bit starstruck as well. <laughs> so, the reason why this happened tonight was because of Tran. Tell us what you do, Tran. Tell us what you're about. Uh, I'm just an optometrist. Not just. You're a Living my life in Hobart. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Love it. What do you think about these prescriptions? Well, <laughs> is that what you say? <laughs> Frames aren't bad. They're cheap. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. Can you guess the brand? No idea. Kmart. No. <laughs> in fact, this brand that I'm wearing, they were in the press this week because they said that for every pair that I purchased, oh. they would give another pair to a developing country into charity. They failed to do that. So, anyway. So, Tran's an optometrist in Hobart. Tran, I put her in touch with Matt, just have a bit of a chat. They were going to do a bit of a money night with some other optometrists. Is this how it kind of went? Yes. And then I said to Matt, I'll come down. And then this is, this is what happened and there's no other optometrist here. So Now we've got oh, no, Kelsey. Kelsey. We've got sorry, Kelsey. Sorry, 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 sorry. Tran. Yes. You've got a question. I do have a question. Which is a really awkward question after she rang me to seek some financial advice. But yeah. anyway, we'll, we'll, run, yeah. we'll run with that anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Yeah, thanks, Tran. What are some of the red flags which you should be aware of when asking a prospective financial advisor? Or mortgage broker. Or mortgage broker. Or any professional. Yeah, great question. Not your optometrist. Not your optometrist. <laughs> yeah. 
I recounted a really funny story with Chan the other day. Uh, one of her colleagues, an optometrist down the road. Um, <laughs> so I took my two kids in there, five-year-old boy, three-year-old girl. I'm getting my son's uh, eyes tested and uh, we're rolled in there. And my daughter, who's three, goes up to this young optometrist and starts rubbing her leg, putting her hand up, going, you've got beautiful thighs. Um, and she's three and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is awkward. And she says, I love your stockings. I'm like, I'd go to jail for that. My daughter's just like, this is amazing. Uh, so anyway, thanks for the referral. That was great, Chan. Um, no Red flags for seeking a professional. I don't think you need to specify on financial planner, accountant, mortgage broker. I, I, you've got to, and I'll use a terminology that Glenn always talks about, you've got to vibe with a professional, right? You've got to vibe with them. You've got to walk in. You've got to feel comfortable. Um, you know, you've got your, your three questions you normally ask them. How do you charge? Uh, are there any benefits? Are you, are you linked to any key products? They're kind of the boring questions that um, the, the shoeless investor uh, normally talks about. Um, but certainly, I think you've got to vibe with them. You've got to understand what they're about. You, you soon, very quickly, if we just focus on financial advisors for a moment, you'll soon very quickly um, understand whether they've got your best interest at heart or the, uh, whether their best interests are at heart. And, uh, and it's quick. What you've got to also remember, and I always talk to my clients about this, it's a two-way relationship, right? I want to work with you as much as you want to work with me. A lot of people walk into professionals' offices and go, well, you know, I'm ready to work with you. And at the same time, I'm interviewing you as much as you're interviewing me. Because at the end of the day, if I don't think you're going to take my advice, I kind of don't want you as a client. And vice versa, if I'm not going to help you with advice that helps you, you're not going to take me. So I think you've got to really understand what they're about, their background, make sure you're vibing with them, make sure you're feeling them, and make sure they're feeling you. Uh, not like my daughter, um, but you know, really understand what you're all about. And can, they, and can they relate? I don't think, I mean, I work with a lot of retirees. I don't caravan around Australia. Uh, I don't have uh, three holiday homes. I don't know when I'm up at uh, the east coast of Australia what the best campsite is or caravan spot, but they relate to me because I know the challenges that retirees go through. Does it mean I'm, I'm retiring anytime soon? No, certainly not. But they've got to understand the challenges and how to help you through those challenges when you're seeking financial advice. Yeah, I, I would probably add to that if it was a mortgage broker, financial advisor, accountant, solicitor to a point... I'm not committing to squat at the first meeting. And if there's any pressure to commit to squat at the first meeting, you're, there, you're just out of there because it just needs to be a casual, informal chat. This is what I want to do. They might say, yeah, we can do this, this, this. Have a think about it. Yeah, and I think to add to that, that first meeting is not about advice. If you're going to see a financial advisor, mortgage broker, you know, a lawyer, it, it's not about seeking advice in the first meeting. It's about the relationship. And 99% of the, uh, the relationship with an advisor or a broker is about that. It's about the relationship. Do you, do you feel them, right? And uh, it's not about, hey, I've got these problems. Can you help me you know, solve them in the first meeting? It should be somewhere between 20 minutes to 40 minutes max chit-chat, how you going, what are your challenges, beautiful, great, great, great. As Glenn said, don't commit to anything, don't sign anything, really understand who they are. If the red flags are, hey, we need to sign this document to get you to the next stage, you're going to change your super here, 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 you, your red flag's up and you're out the door quicker than you walked in there. And I think that's really important to remember. And then the, the second thing is, I forgot, but... <laughs> how to charge. Yeah, more so, actually, it's... they've. I always had this philosophy, I want to educate you enough about the subject for you to be empowered to make your own decision. Well, you're an educator, not a dictator. Yeah, and we're not selling, like, yes, high level, everyone's in business, everyone's selling, you go to the um, 
optometrist, you go to the hip surgeon, you mm. go to the ankle surgeon, he's selling an ankle surgery, you're selling an optometrist service. So no one works for free, we get that. Mm. But I think it's, um, yeah, are they just pushy, 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 sales, 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 let's get a photo. Hey, yeah. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just go with your gut like everything. Right. Okay. And if in doubt, yeah. um, take somebody else. A friend. Really? You can? Why not? Okay. I would. Okay. Yeah. You've also got to have a burden of proof. You know, you, you need to, uh, in my opinion, you need to yep. make sure you're seeing one who's the, uh, someone who's an expert in their field, right? And they've got to be a burden of proof. So, Google them. Right, Google them, Facebook stalk them, do all the things that you do with a new date. Um, right. Because that's what you're effectively we're, doing. We're getting some good insight here, Matt. <laughs> yeah, Tinder's amazing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to look like it's a date. You know, it's, it's not a marriage until you sign on the dotted line. Have you very... tried Bumble? Oh, no, I haven't, mate. I think you need to. <laughs> From experience? I won't comment on my own life. But, I but you're happy to comment on mine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Google a financial advisor. Mm. See if they've got a burden of proof. Why are they the expert in field? You know, okay. I mean, the, the term financial advisor is such a broad brush of professional. And that's such a challenge because... A financial advisor could mean they're a risk specialist, a retirement specialist, a millennial specialist. So understanding what their speciality is, uh, what's their key avatars all about, uh, are they working with people like you, do they attract people like you and and really are they trying to um, help people like you? I think that's important. Right, let's give Tran a round of applause and we're going to welcome Kelsey. So, Kelsey, you're a friend and colleague of Tran? Yes, correct. Now, what is your question? And then we'll, we'll do one other question after this one and then we'll get the heck out of here. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sort of in a similar situation as Georgie. I've just graduated uni and I made the really good financial decision to blow a heap of money on a brand new car and I'm in a heap of debt. So my question is basically, when is my time to see a financial advisor? Because, yes, I've got debt. I'm not making a heap of savings. Um, would it be worth going to one now or should I wait for a better time? Yeah, so I would – if I could jump in there, Matt. Please do. Thanks. What type of car? Oh, a little Volkswagen <laughs> I love Golf. that's your question. Oh, nice. <laughs> love it. It yeah. actually goes unlike my previous car. Yeah, nice. Love a Golf. 45? How much are they worth? I've had 27. Oh, sorry. I've got no idea. Anyway. <laughs> it's my millennial money. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think it's very important. Like, so if I sent you to one of my preferred advisors, right? So on my website, if someone wants to see an advisor, they will have a 15-minute chat with anyone just to explain the process, explain a bit about them. No one's giving advice over the phone. You can't give advice after a 15-minute conversation. You really need an hour deep dive to look at goals, what your objectives are. But just as a feel, anyone on the panel, and Matt's done that for people here in Hobart, just have a chat. But a lot of the time they would say, so you said one word, I've got a heap of debt, right? For example. Yeah. Uh, any debt other than the car? Uh, just my hex debt. Just your hex debt. So we'll remove the hex debt. So yep. you've got a car loan yep. and a decent income at the moment. Yes. Are you renting? Yeah, I've got pretty high living expenses. Yeah. So the first thing they would say is, you know, a financial advisor, we really need to know how much it costs you to exist. Okay. okay? So we need to know how much it costs you to exist and what leftover amount do you have to attack goals? Yeah. So they often will send people back and say, look, do Glenn's spending plan. And it's a shameless plug because it works, okay? 
Now, in my business, I used to, I'd be like, Kelsey, totally, we've got two options. Mm-hmm. I can charge you two and a half grand and I'll work with you to develop a budget and fully sit down with you four or five meetings to develop that. Then if you want some accountability, you might engage me and we meet every so-and-so, just like a fitness coach. Yeah. Or you can jump online and pay $70, do the crux of it, work on your habits and behaviours. Then once you know how much it costs to exist, then we can come back and go, okay, what does the future look like? Let's put a plan together, whether that's to buy a house, do some investing. I, I don't know. What are you vibing on this? No, mate, I couldn't agree more. I think you've got to know your numbers, right, before you can mm-hmm. start to do anything, whether it's understanding what your debt repayments are, paying down car loans. What, you've got to know your numbers. You've got to go back to that foundation about where is my cash going, what am I spending on, what is the baseline, you know, next comforts, etc. Once you know the numbers... Um, I talk about in my business the X factor and the X factor is the the money left over after you live comfortably and you've got to be realistic when you set a budget or a a savings plan or investment plan. If you go out to dinner every Friday night for takeaway, put it in the budget. You know, if that's what you're going to do because so many people go, oh, no, I don't really but if they're going out to the Winston having a cracking burger every (laughs) Friday night, love that. Um, (laughs) Love a good burg. Love a good burg. Then that's part of your budget. But you've got to know your numbers. You know, if I ask the people in the room or all those listeners, how much do you need to get every week to turn the lights on in your house and live comfortably? If you don't know that number, do the spending plan. Do a budget. Understand what that looks like because without that, the rest is rubbish. And I hate budgets. Like, I just hate them and that's why my spending plan, it's a cash hub, all money goes in there, automatic money goes out. We get that cash hub up to a float, call it five, ten grand, whatever your situation is. And then I just transfer into my blow account and I just blow it on whatever I want. And that gives me the freedom. But in my spending plan in the cash hub, I've got uh, investment property mortgages coming out of there. I've got an investment bond coming out of there. I've got, I cap out my super. So it's, you just need that as the foundation. And then all my investing is boring and automated. If your investing plan is boring and automated, it's the best one. If it's exciting and there's um, yachts involved and people are taking you on fancy stuff and he's my whatever or she's my whatever and we invest with this and it's so exciting. They're talking about a new greenfield opportunity in Africa. Talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, well, but again, like, so I do have a small portion of Bitcoin, but it's a very small allocation because for the people in the room, we talked about uh, building our investments and as the house went to the very top, it got more complex. So it might be some investment properties and some shares. And then it, if you want to invest in, I don't know why I'm ranting, but whatever. So diamonds, uh, expensive crap, like Bitcoin, artwork. artwork, you wouldn't do it with more than 10% of your net worth outside of your home. Because that stuff is, can be hard to sell. It could be volatile. High risk. High risk, possibly. All that to say, you probably should do the spending plan, Mm -hmm. work out how much it costs you to exist. And for those who are thinking, why is he always talking about this? Don't use mine. I don't care. Work out, get your own spreadsheet and just work out what it costs you to exist. And likewise, if you want to fill out the spreadsheet, feel free to email it to me and I'll run my eyes over it Mm -hmm. as a gift to you for coming tonight. Thank you. No worries. And then... Do that and I'm sure Matt or one of his colleagues would be happy to help you because I think in this day and age, so 10 years ago, you might see an advisor to get some 
this super done or that. I mean, you still want to go to an advisor to get some life insurance because you actually can't get that quality going direct. But you can do your own super consolidations or whatever yourself. You know, it's easy now to set up a micro-investing app yourself. Like technology, it's really helped us, right? But you might decide, I want a financial advisor to be my accountability coach and I would hypothesize that any advisor, their fees that they charge will pay for themselves. Mm. And factor in their fees to your spending plan. If you're paying for accountability, make sure you're meeting them with whatever and it's like a fitness coach if you want to turn it up to 11. Mm. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks so Thank much. You. Let's Thank give you. her a hand. Thanks, Kelsey. <laughs> I felt like that was just a tangent. Was it? No, I liked it. Yeah, I don't I know. I liked it. Good. Oh, hello. Yeah, come yes. up, Erica. Erica, Erica come let's up. give Erica let's a round of applause. Woo. Last question of the night. I, you, can no. have, you can have this microphone. No, no, over here. Oh, sorry. While Erica's preparing, two questions. Are you still single? <laughs> Mate, that's the third time you've asked on podcast. It's really bloody awkward. Yes, I am. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that, TJ. Looking out for you. Thanks, man. Uh, second question to the Hobartians. Is there any good gelato within walking distance from here? Like Muir's? Yeah, Is would you good? say that's good gelato though? Awkward if they're a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> and just to show partners, Muir's, uh, the finest gelato in the land. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> so Erica, okay. what's your question? Um, so we spoke earlier about the importance of income protection. Sure. Um, when sort of like getting quotes on that, what are the top three things to look out for? Or yes. look for? That's a, that's a good thing. I think, number one, you would go to an advisor and I'll, I'll tell you the reason why. If you go to a website that do income protection insurance comparisons, it's called direct insurance a lot of the time and it's rubbish. And the reason why, the contracts with direct insurance are generally not guaranteed renewable. So that means you could insure yourself, you could break your back, have a claim then they can turn around and say, and you could get better, and they can turn around and say, we're cancelling the policy, okay? The policies that advisors use, you could set up a quality insurance policy, break your back, be off work for six months on claim, go back to work, the policy isn't cancelled, your premium doesn't increase because of the claim, and you could break your back again the next year and claim on it again. I think the other thing to add to that, which I think spot on, like you don't, let's say you don't break your back twice, that's awkward. Uh, but, I think, but I think when you go to an advisor, if you walk into an advisor's office to say, right, I need income protection. Like I love the fact that you're already thinking about that because that should be the foundation. Without income, there's no point having a spending plan because you've got, you've no, got income. no cash. Yeah. You've got no cash. But <clears throat> if you walk into an advisor's office, really what you should be talking about is the strategy around what you need for income protection and the product is the byproduct of the advice. So people see income protection as a, as a product, going by the product is income protection. Is it funded from super? Is it funded from bank account? Is it a 30-day wait, a 60-day wait? Is it age 65 benefit? Is it a five-year benefit period? There's all these things around strategy. It's not just a product. So you know you need it, great. 
um, you know, I liken it to when the, the floods went through Queensland, right, and people had been sold these home and contents insurance policies because they were cheap, mm. but they weren't covered for the floods. It's no different with income protection. What's your, what's your occupation? Are you a smoker? Are you a non-smoker? Are you overweight? Are you underweight? Or are you the perfect weight? All these things are factors into uh, the cost, the structure, the strategy, and then the advisor have the, has the ability to go out to the marketplace and source the best product to meet your needs that you have for the goals and strategy you need for having income protection. And I think that's what everyone forgets. Don't always look for the cheapest. Cheapest doesn't mean the best unless you're talking about petrol and cheap petrol is great. <laughs> I, w- I would probably say, because I was thinking there's the number one thing I would do, it goes back to when you're talking to the advisor and if you want to consider it, I'm happy to introduce you or someone in Matt's office can help. I would say you need to be able to understand what you've been told enough to tell someone who doesn't know anything about income protection, how it works. So number one, get on top of it. Number two, I would also ask them, why have you chosen this insurance company? A lot of people say, I'm scared because they might be putting me with a company that pays the highest commission amount. That's actually against the law now because every insurance company has the same advisor remuneration across the marketplace. Mortgages aren't there yet, I don't think. So They're on route. They, some banks might pay a higher commission than another. But in terms of insurance, the law is it's the same amount, okay? I would say, why did you choose that insurer? And then I would possibly ask the advisor, have you had many claims with this insurer and what would they like to pay a claim? Because every time you get an insurance policy, whether it's your car, your home, yourself, you're buying a claim. My mother said, what up, Wendy, if you're listening? She doesn't listen, what up? (laughs) We were having lunch a couple of months ago and she... Every time I catch up with them, she brings the paperwork and wants me to go through crap. And it's like, oh my gosh, can I just eat? That's why it's been a couple of months. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Anyway, she goes, oh, I'm paying this life insurance. Do I still need it? Because they put all this money into it and I've got no benefit from it. Well, you're still alive, Wendy. (laughs) Back off. Um, Number one, (laughs) mum. Thanks for bringing me into this world. Love your work. Number two... I will never tell somebody they should cancel their life insurance. You know, they don't need life insurance. They own their home. They've got heaps of money. It's just there as a nice buffer. We set it up on a level premium 15 years ago. So for dad's policy, and you could talk to your advisor about a level or stepped premium, dad's policy, he pays, I think, $180 a month for 200 grand worth of cover, and he's 64 years old. If I put 64-year-old into the computer today, it'd be over $400 a month. So we've locked it in like you lock in a, a fixed-rate mortgage but for the insurance, but that's a whole other thing. So mum said, we don't need this because I haven't claimed on it. I'm not getting value. Because everyone has this thing with life and income insurance is I'm not getting value. I'm like, well, mum, you haven't claimed on your car insurance either. Does it mean you're not getting value? So this, a lot of time with insurance, people look to cancel their income insurance or trauma insurance because they can't afford it. I was like, no, you can, but what you're doing, you're not managing your money correctly and you're looking for a, a thing to solve all your money problems. So you're looking for a, an insurance premium to cancel because I'm not getting value out of it. The value is you're not dead. The value is you're not dead. <laughs> That's not a bad win. Yeah, it's a good win. It's a great win. It's great. So I don't know if has that helped because yeah, it, it's actually hard to 
because there's 12 things that factor in the cost of a life insurance contract. And by life insurance contract, I mean life insurance, total and permanent disability insurance, income insurance, and trauma insurance. There's 12 things from um, your age, sex, occupation, um, smoking, non-smoking. smoking status, health. I've got to write them down and read them, but there's like, it's complex and you just can't go online because some of those direct policies online won't cover you for mental health. So if you had a nervous breakdown and couldn't work... They medically underwrite you at claim time, not at application stage. So I'm a big believer. If you're going to pay for something, know what you're claiming on, right? So if you have a history of a bad knee, maybe they exclude the knee, but you know, right, rather than a group policy or a direct policy, they'll medically underwrite you at claim time, not at application stage. So you claim... And I go, oh, gee, I've done my knee or I've snapped my Achilles playing mixed netball, you know, as a fill-in. <laughs> Me last year. Thanks, guys. That's awkward. You played mixed netball. One game, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, snapped it. Well, you would have looked fabulous. <laughs> oh, as I, as I dragged myself the court, it was really great. Uh, you know, but you know what you're covered for, right? Versus a, uh, a direct policy. You go to claim pre-existing condition, mental health not covered, you know, you really need to understand the policy and a, and, a, and a product disclosure statement, PDS, that you get with a policy, it's 70 pages long, it's jargon, that's an advisor's job and, uh, and that's one always engage an advisor. And further, the stuff that you get online direct without going through an advisor, so I'll give you an example, you need to get your income protected, right? But we've got this goal of saving for a house but we need our income protection sorted. Maybe the strategy is for the short term... We fund it through super with a small portion outside of super to help with our personal cash flow because income protection is tax deductible, so it's a net net effect, right? So that type of strategy could work with an advisor and help you with your cash flow. Yeah. So thanks, Erica. No, so just repeat that. So then you're stuck with one super provider. No, so imagine I'm holding a balloon up here. That is your super fund. An advisor will set up a policy for you in another balloon Mm -hmm. and allow you to transfer money from that balloon to this insurance policy balloon. And then if you move from that super fund to another super fund, I don't know, Sun Super, they support the show. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Shout out, Sun Super. Thanks for your help. Love you. Hey, Nisa. Hi, Joe, if you're listening. They're my peeps. Um, You can keep the insurance in place Mm -hmm. and then just change the payment methods. So it's, it's called an enduring rollover. You effectively roll over the premium that you pay for your, um, for your income protection, life insurance, TPD, whatever you might do, from your super fund into a bucket super fund. It can't hold any more over there than the premium you pay and it's held there, then it's deducted and it's the zero balance straight away. So it's effectively a bucket super fund held by a trustee where your money rolls over, it's held there, your premium comes out, it doesn't grow, it's not invested, there's no investment returns on it, but it means you now have flexibility of not being beholden to being in one superannuation fund because they have the super fund and they have the insurance underneath it. It gives you flexibility uh, and I love that because it holds, holds companies accountable. Totally. No, that's perfect. Makes sense. Yeah, love it. And what do you do for work? I'm a copywriter. Copywriter, love it. (laughs) Well, you know, got to get that copyright. (laughs) Thanks, Erica. (laughs) You've been real. You've been Hobart. I've been Glenn James and you've been... Matt Hawkins. Thanks so much for coming tonight, guys. Thanks, guys. Stay around because I want to get some photos quickly with everybody. (laughs) Love you, work.
We've got a special guest that we're going to chat with. Alyssa from Vancouver. Alyssa from Vancouver. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. Now, this is funny. Alyssa used to live in the basically within 10 minutes of my house on the sunny New South Wales Central Coast. And then I saw she was registered for Hobart. And I'm like, what the heck? So what's the go, Alyssa? Um, so I had family on the Central Coast. So I was visiting them for a little while. And then I've been traveling all over Australia basically this year. Wow. And what part of the States are you from? Uh, so I was born in Texas, actually, and then grew up in Canada. <laughs> uh, sometimes I fool people from like Canada, and I just jam up um, and say, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, this I was at a, a restaurant in the states, and the the chick serving me, she saw my ANZ card, and she's obviously knows it's Australia, New Zealand, and she said to me, "What part of New Zealand are you from?" I said, "Oh, I'm actually from Australia." Not New Zealand. Oh, anyway. So I said, oh, anyway, so what part of Canada are you from? Like, I flipped it on her. <laughs> flipped good. it. It's when you get walked out of the restaurant, it gets really awkward, though. <laughs> totally. So, Alyssa, you have been a listener of the podcast for some time. I have. So, thanks for listening. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell our lovely crew here what you're all about. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Canada on the West Coast, Vancouver Island. If anyone wants to check it out, would highly recommend. And then, like I said, I had family out here, so I came, was visiting them for a little while, doing a bit of work. And yeah, I've just been traveling around Australia ever since, looking to settle down in the new year. And where will you settle down? Hobart. Oh, you're settling down here. Yeah, Tasmania right. is pretty great. Wow, love it. Love it. Vancouver Island, though, Alyssa, Butchart Gardens, uh, Tofino, like there's a pretty cool spots. Uh, yeah, I grew and you've up been in Nanaimo, so neither of the. So good. Like, it's basically the Hobart of Vancouver Island, right? Yeah. Minus the lack of population and great food and wine. Yeah, so Vancouver Island, just fun fact for everyone, is half the size of Tasmania but double the population. So. But you've been to Victoria on Vancouver Island. Like, it is basically Hobart. Like, it squint, is. close one eye, it's basically Hobart. Yeah, like, Vancouver Island is literally Tasmania. So when I came down here, I was like, yep, this is where I'm moving if I'm staying in Australia. Welcome. Thank Love you. <clears throat> so, Alyssa... You know we like to chat about the real things on My Millennial Money. All things money, finance, life. All right. I need to get to the bottom of something in your life. So you go to... So I've had this thing lately where sometimes you go to a restaurant or hotel bathroom, all right? And you wash your hands. And I turn the tap on and it's warm. Warm water. Awkward. Awkward. I'm like, this is interesting. Someone has stood there and washed their hands with, and used the warm water where I'm a cold water washer. I don't have time to stand around all day. Really? Yeah. Germs just, don't come up in cold water. Really? No, no. So my question, where do you stand on this? Are you one to use the warm water? Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. So, okay, what's the rationale there? Doesn't want I, to be dirty. I didn't know people used cold water to wash their hands. That's like a toothbrush kind of thing. <laughs> really? Wow, yeah. that's weird. Do you, uh, what do you do? I'm perplexed. Mate, I'm not shaking your hand again tonight. Uh, but uh, <laughs> look, I, I, look, I like a bit of lukewarmness, like a little bit of cold, a little bit of warm. I'm not a fan of when you've got the one tap and you've got a boom and you top it down and water comes out. It's a gamble, right? It's a 50-50 guess whether they want to pay for hot water or whether it's cold water. Yeah, I'm just like, I, it just blows my mind that someone stands there and washes anyway. 
I camp a lot. There's a lot of cold water, so I take, <laughs> take the hot water when I can get it. <laughs> Welcome to Hobart. <laughs> yeah. So um, anything else you want to, like, so we've given you this uh, platform. You don't want to sell any network marketing to everyone here or anything like that. <laughs> Do you have any questions for Alyssa? Oh, look, Alyssa is a marketing expert. Uh, how would you rate tonight's event out of 10? <laughs> 10 out of 10. Took some stories for you, don't worry. Love it. There we'll we go. We'll give you that $100 later. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I just wanted to say to Alyssa, thank you so much for listening. And I'm not uh, a guru by any means. I'm just here to facilitate a money conversation with uh, different Australians and Canadians and people from all around the world. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for all that you guys do as well. No, that's fine. And thanks for those here in person. And before we get into it, I'll give, um, just let me see everyone's name tags. We've got Flynn, we've got Sarah, we've got Shelby, we've got Katie, we've got Mark, we've got Tran. We'll get to you, Tran, don't worry about that. We've got Kelsey, <laughs> we've got Erica, we've got Roger, Roger, Rod, Roger. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Zara, Ellie, Cam... Lewis, Louis, Georgie, James, Laura, and Matt, Hawkins. And Matt, Matt Hawkins. Hawkins. Matt Hawkins. And John isn't here today. He didn't fly down. So this is why we're just doing a My Millennial Answers episode. It gets a bit expensive to fly everyone around the, the nation. So, well, should we get into some questions? Let's give Alyssa a hand, everyone. Thanks for coming up and being, being awesome. It's a... Uh, it's a ooh. It's a big deal sometimes. All right, so. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 